Welcome to Wax On, Wax Off, the podcast where a teenager gains wisdom and insight from pioneers and innovators that have come before in search of how to win in every facet of life and change the world. I'm your host, Solomon Cole, and let's get into today's episode. So today's guest is one of the top functional medicine doctors in the galaxy. He's a New York Times bestselling author, and he's my dad. Uh, Welcome to Wax On, Wax Off. The first ever modern day Mr. Miyagi, Dr. Will Cole. Thank you, my friend, my son. Yeah, you say you my friend a lot. Uh, so here's the deal. I'm so freaking proud of you. Thank you. For doing this podcast and you formulating the format and putting your heart. It's really just an outer extension of who you are. So it is really an authentic thing. And to be doing it at this age, I'm just extremely proud of you. Thank you. I mean, that's the whole point of the podcast is from like the younger generation's perspective, really to be showing what it's like to be in the younger generation and trying to glean from old people like you. (laughs) Um, I'll take it. Yeah. So for people who don't know you, what is it that you do? So he said it's something about me being the best functional medicine doctor in the galaxy. So some galactic work. That's all I'm going to say. No, anyway, so if, if functional medicine, if for you to break it down, first thing is we interpret labs using a thinner reference range. So what that means is that people go get their labs done and they want to find out, hey, how can I optimize my health? Or can you explain why I'm feeling the way that I do? And they're compared to this X to Y interval, this reference range on their lab. And we get that rate, that lab reference range largely from a statistical bell curve average of people who go to that specific lab. People that go to lab, sadly, are people that are going through some stuff. They're going through some health problems. So there's a lot of people that intuitively know something's off here. Something's off with my health. And the doctor comes back and says, run the basic labs. And they say, everything's fine. You're just depressed. You're just getting older. You're just, you know, take this antidepressant see you later but what they're unintentionally telling their patient is you're a lot like the other people with health problems that we're comparing you to so in functional medicine we're looking optimal not average where does vibrant wellness reside then we realize in, in functional medicine that everybody's different and unique and there's a lot of variables to consider the context of it so we talk about bio individuality and really customizing healthcare to the individual And then we run more comprehensive labs. We're looking at underlying issues like underlying gut problems and toxicity issues and hormonal imbalances and nutrient deficiencies and trauma and stress and shame and mental, emotional, spiritual components and how they can be literally stored in our cells, dysregulating our nervous system, raising inflammation levels. So there's a lot of tools within our toolbox, but we use food as medicine based on the individual even healthy foods, what works for one person may not work for the next person. We use natural medicines, herbs, botanicals. We use mind body tools like somatic practices and and things like EMDR we would refer out to and trauma work and breath work and meditation to medications when needed, right? To really be a both and approach to healthcare, not an either or. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is like, this is uh, you discovering this, not necessarily being the first person to discover, but one of the first and, and doing this 
doing it online, which is, uh, mm -hmm. we'll get into that. Um, how did you like, what's your success story? Like you're the, one of the most successful functional medicine doctors in the galaxy. So, uh, how did you get there? Like, has this always been a passion of yours? Is it yeah. something that you discovered? Yeah. When did you discover this passion? So I, we started one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world over a decade ago, 13 plus years at this point of recording. Um, but you're right. So that was what I was the first of. But functional medicine is even before me, it's still relatively a newer term, right? It's, but in, in short, it's birthed out of sort of an evidence-based alternative medicine conventional medicine hybrid. It's again, this sort of amalgamation of, I think of the best of both worlds, both conventional medicine and, and alternative medicine, holistic medicine, wellness, nutrition. Um, so how I found it was really growing up, always being fascinated by health and wellness. So I used my first job was at 16 years old. I worked at the finish line at the mall at Westmoreland mall in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. Shout out. Shout out to Greensburg. And I would use my paycheck and spend a lot of it on different health foods that I read about, superfoods, books, like all the latest nutrition, wellnessy stuff, like biohacking before biohacking was a thing. I'd like just be, be so excited to go and like home and like try it. And um, yeah, so I was always interested in that from a young age. And then wanting to be formally trained in this. And then it came out to out here where we're recording in LA. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, so you lean more towards the natural side of health and trying to solve things with like, a, like a natural solution. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what do you say is like, what's the difference between natural health and con uh, conventional like medicine? And, mm -hmm. and natural medicine and what do you think is is there a better one mm -hmm. and yeah well i don't think there's a better one it's just a matter of like back to my earlier point of a both and approach not an either or like can we really like what's your most effective option that is causing you the least amount of side effects preferably none and for some people they have to be on medications or medications fit that criteria where it is the most effective option causing them the least amount of side effects. It just so happens that most of the time, or a lot of the time, medications alone aren't fitting that criteria. They may be a piece of the puzzle for some people, but it's not the totality of how they can live their vibrant self, like their vibrant life and gain vibrant wellness. So I, I to me, I kind of, I don't have a God complex about these things. So to me, it's, what what gets the patient to meet their goals mm. and that should be our litmus test so for a lot of our patients like for example if someone has low thyroid function they may have to be on a thyroid replacement hormone but we have to deal with all the other issues around that like their gut health and lowering inflammation levels and working on other hormonal imbalances and nutrient deficiencies that that makes their thyroid work well we're dealing with their autoimmune issue of which like triggered the Hashimoto's if it's a Hashimoto's case for them. So the point being is we should all just, in my opinion, figure out what is their most effective option mm -hmm. that is the most safe 
and the least amount of side effects. Yeah. Wow. Um, on this, this train of thought talking about health, uh, you are releasing a book. Mm -hmm. It's coming out soon. And for people out there who don't know the book or what it's about, um, what is it about? It's called gut feelings. And the subtitle is healing the shame field relationship between what you eat and how you feel. So we're talking about both gut and feelings, physiological, i.e. the physical gut and the feelings the mental, emotional, spiritual stuff, and how both of those compartments of life impact health issues, impact things like autoimmune issues or mental health issues like anxiety and depression, brain fog and fatigue. So it's really um, a deep dive into what I see play out in patients lives for the past 13 years plus, and how we can get people better. Mm. So I'm exploring sort of my favorite functional medicine protocols, both for the gut, i.e. the physical side, and then the mental, emotional, feeling, spiritual side. Mm. Yeah, um, mental health is, I would say, an epidemic in in my, my generation. And, mm -hmm. I, and I think uh, it's, it's, it's such a big problem. And there's not like, one cause it's not like oh you do this and you have mental health issues like yeah it, it is an epidemic and i guess what would you say is like the most common cause of mm -hmm. mental health mental health issues yeah um most common cause of mental health issues i would say would be inflammation in short that's an easy answer but the bigger question is what's causing the inflammation mm -hmm. And that's what I'm really exploring in gut feelings and in my work with my patients and in my other books, but really the most deep exploration of the facets that are driving that really have to go into this book and gut feelings. Um, so it's the physical and the mental, emotional, spiritual. So inflammation is not inherently bad. It's a product of our immune system, but it's chronic inflammation that's associated in the scientific literature in the, in the, medical journals of what's causing dysfunction of the brain and neurotransmitter signaling issues and receptor site issues and communication differences between the gut and the brain and the brain and the hormonal axis. It's a confluence of factors, but the con the, the underlying commonality is chronic inflammation. Mm. And what is inflammation? What is yeah, what is inflammation? Inflammation is a product of the immune system. It fights off viruses and bacteria, and there's many different types of inflammation. So it's like different interleukins, different cytokines, different proteins that are all basically signaling molecules or inflammatory, pro-inflammatory amino acids that are part of our body's immune system or part of our body's defense mechanisms, I should say. So if you have a virus, it, your, the inflammation will fight it off or be used to fight it off. Mm. Um, if you have a bacterial infection, inflammation will be used to fight it off. So inflammation is not inherently bad, but it's when inflammation becomes chronic, that is what's associated with just about every health problem under the sun. Mm. Uh, what are some mental health tips and tricks that you have to to make us happier, to help us get out of our anxiety or our depression? 
Well, I talk about them in the book. There's really f- over 42 different tips in the book um, that I found to be the most effective for people. There's 21 gut action items, i.e. physical action items, and 21 feeling action items. Mm. So, so I'll give you some. One is soups and stews. So your gut is your second brain. 95% of serotonin is made in the gut. 50% of dopamine is made in the gut and stored in the gut. So our happy, joyous, pleasure neurotransmitters are made in the gut largely and stored in the gut. So one way to support the gut, which is the second brain, is formed from the same fetal tissue. So when babies are growing in their mother's womb, the gut and brain are formed from that same fetal tissue and they're linked for the rest of our life through what's known as the gut-brain axis or the connection between the two. So when you are nourishing your gut, you're nourishing your second brain, which in turn crosstalks and communicates with your first brain. And in some ways, it's the controller of your actual brain. So in the, there's a protocol that we use for our patients called the GAPS protocol. They have a lot of anxiety and depression and brain fog and fatigue and ADHD and autism spectrum issues. It's called GAPS. It's an acronym that stands for gut and psychology syndrome or gut and physiology syndrome, either one. Um, it's interchangeable, but specific to mental health is typically gut and psychology syndrome. And it's lots of bone broth soups and stews and sort of like spending periods of weeks and months for some people in sort of these brothing and souping phases. And you can have vegan broths too, like sort of plant-based, like, you know, seaweed broths and glangle ginger broths, vegetable broths, mushroom broths that also can be nourishing too, but a combination between the two with vegetables and protein and things that are almost like pre-digested, the vegetables cooked in soups and stews and the foods that are the, the materials, the ingredients within the soups and stews are all are gentle on the guts to sort of be sort of like a proverbial siesta for your gut microbiome, your second brain, which will calm down systemic inflammation and help not just the second brain, but your actual brain as well. Mm-hmm. In the book, you talk about uh, Shenrin Yoku. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm fascinated by it, but for those yeah. who don't know, what is it? What are the benefits of it? Sure. So Shenrin Yoku is a um, Japanese term and it translates into English into fo- as forest bathing. So it's using nature, what the researchers in Japan and South Korea are really looking at is using nature as a medicine and nature as a meditation. So it's taking nature in with all of your senses, the sort of immersive sensorial experience of going into the forest, like maybe only making it a few feet in a, in a, in a longer period of time and taking it in with your eyesight and smelling it in and the sounds and the stillness of all of it but it's immersive and it's therapeutic and researchers researchers have shown that sort of the, the natural essential oils that are emitted from the plants of the forest have a modulating effect on our hum, on the human immune system i.e it balances inflammation levels out it boosts mood it improves health marker markers across the board. That's just these essential oils, let alone sort of the sight of it all and the sound of it all, which is certainly sort of vision medicine and sound medicine to forest bathing as well. Hmm. Uh, what do you think on like for those 
people who don't who aren't in in a place where they can go out and just walk in the woods Mm -hmm. Uh, are there any other alternatives that they can these are good questions yeah these are good questions you're a good interviewer thank you um so yes green any green space right it's like if you live in the city you can go to small like community park if you like in a big city like look look at manhattan it's like the ultimate like concrete jungle but they're they're central park but even any city that we've been around in the country there's going to be some green space Mm -hmm. um so it may not be massive it may be simple but that's all right researchers show that even pictures of nature have a similar benefit Mm. So if you really can't find any green space, or if it's not within walking distance, then look at pictures. Mm-hmm. Or another idea is like get some low cost, like plants in your house and bringing some plants into your home. Yeah. Bringing like maybe like a water feature or, you know, bringing even like a, like a- Crystals. Bringing crystals, rocks. bringing rocks. Yeah. Like, yeah, bringing some like what I call God art into your house or apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good idea. And, you know, even like to use tech in a positive way like this, downloading like nature sounds or like Mm -hmm. meditative nature sounds, and it's not the same thing, but it's really great if you have to be in sort of an urban environment. Um, and even if you don't live in an urban environment, it's still, when you are inside these are tools, it can be great. Yeah. Uh, what do you, have you heard about the sheep that they cloned? They cloned it a while ago. Yeah. No, I haven't. They cloned a sheep, like straight up cloned an entire sheep. Wow. I, they gave it a name. I think it was like Dolly or something. Oh, yes. I heard this. This isn't new. No, it's old. But yeah. Do you think that they can clone humans? Well, I mean, look, time will tell. I don't know how much, how successful they've been with that, but I'm sure with time, they, I mean, they probably can do it already. I yeah. I think say. if they can clone a sheep that they could clone a human. Yeah. It's pretty freaky. It is. I mean, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I, they can probably do a lot, whether it's out in the public, widely accessible, or talked about, who knows. Mm-hmm. They have these businesses that like, you can pay like 30 grand and they'll clone your dog for you. Hey, I will do that with Scout and, and Harper. Those are our dogs for those of you who don't know. He loves them more than any of us. Um, okay. Now I'm going to start grilling you a little bit about my generation. What do you think of my generation? So what do you think is my generation's biggest strength or strengths? I think that you are, you think outside the box and you're not limited by cultural norms as much which is, it can, can be a great thing. Mm. Okay. Any others or specific? Um, I mean, that, that alone will influence so many different spheres of life, right? That alone will impact society, depending on who you're talking about within your generation, in a myriad of different ways. So that's the one that comes to mind. And I feel like in some ways, I mean, I don't know. I think that my generation and the generations after us, we are increasingly interested in health and wellness, which I think is good. So I think that the, the Gen X, I'm considered a millennial, like an older millennial, but the Gen X and the baby boomers before us 
certainly there are many exceptions to this, but generally speaking, I feel like they were that old sort of either not interested in health and wellness at all, or it was that very archaic sort of dieting culture, mm -hmm. right? Of just like eat less, be, like starve yourself, like eat your square, three square, square meals a day. And it was so much a, like backwards information about nutrition. Mm -hmm. So I think really focusing on nourishing yourself and being healthy and how you feel more than just sort of this sort of superficial way that people should look, I think it's a positive thing. Mm -hmm. I think your generation's done it even better in many ways. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that. I'll take it. Um, what do you think is my generation's biggest weakness or some of our biggest weakness? What generation would you be considered? I am a Gen Z. I'm a Z. You're a B to Z? I'm a, I'm a really, not l really late, but I'm a You're I'm really like young mid Gen to Z. late Z. Yeah. I think okay. the oldest Z's are like 22 right now. Really? Yeah, like 20s, in their 20s. Yeah, like even mid-20s. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, you want to hear something crazy? The next generation, they're being called Gen Alpha. Hmm. Because they go through the Greek alphabet. like oh, okay. The, or, yeah, they go through the Greek alpha, alphabet, like going okay. down. And then we're at Z now, so we go to... Was there a gener generation Y? No, the Greek alphabet. They they don't have they they missed. We went from we went from like whatever the boomers. I don't know. I don't know how it works, but yeah. Okay, Al alphas. That's funny that they're like they're just gonna like restarted. Yeah, pretty much the rebirth of wow. society. The rebirth of yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, um, I these are the biggest what weakness weaknesses. I think there's a lack of resilience. Mm. Totally. Hugely. And not just in that generation, I'd say in mine too, but it, increasingly, I feel like since the, the 70, 1970s, probably, there was an increasingly like lack of resilience mm -hmm. uh, with every decade. Mm -hmm. It just got worse. And they say uh, uh, strong men create easy times, easy times create weak men, weak men create hard times, and then hard times create strong men. And then the, hmm. the well, it could go for people in general. Yeah. And it's like the cycle. And what, that's what exactly what you're talking about. It's just like mm -hmm. slow deterioration of, of resilience and strength in people. And because we, we don't really need to do anything in our lives, we need to eat and drink. And that's it. We mm -hmm. need to eat, drink water. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's all we need. And with that life like you don't have to really go get shelter because mm -hmm. like your your parents probably will provide for you if you can't yeah and getting money is really easy and it's like yeah. there's no there's no like struggle or passion to life but yeah the yeah. resilience totally yeah i would say that's that's something that comes to mind mm -hmm. and i think that sometimes we confuse the word love, you know, and, and compassion. And sometimes love and compassion involve giving tough love, right? And telling people things they don't want to hear mm. and calling them up to something better. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a tough thing sometimes for striking that balance. But I think that's something that your generation 
may have a tougher time with as well. Yeah, and I think that's what we need to figure out as just a society in general is that like, right now I feel like society is, they're so scared of of the, the tough love and, mm-hmm. and saying the hard things because in the past there have been a lot of people who called abuse tough mm-hmm. love yeah and it wasn't tough love it was abuse they they were they were harsh and rude and they hurt people and now they're so wounded and scared and they're living out of those wounds yeah and now it's like if you say anything that could be taken offensive in any way shape or form you're done Mm -hmm. and i think now it's just like there are the two scales and what needs to happen is we need to figure out the middle and that middle is what you're talking about that tough love that Mm -hmm. that i love you but this is not okay. This is messed yeah. up. When you fix this, it doesn't mean that I still, I don't love you, but mm-hmm. I'm, I, I love you so much that I'm going to help you. Yeah. And I think that that's like, that's essential to. Yeah. It's not always how it looks, but it's needed in every, it's needed in every human to human relationship mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah. And you can't just like go to anyone on the street and be like, you're doing this. And, and that's, that's where that, like, not necessarily abuse, but abuse comes in. Mm-hmm. Abusive. And abusive. Relationship. Yeah, yeah. Relationship because you have to build a relationship with someone to start like giving them advice and, and trying to help them yeah. make their life better. Yeah. Okay. What do you think social media and our phones play like what role do they play in our in our lives as as the next generation and as your generation and just overall as people? Well, I mean, I grew up without a smartphone, right? So I was the first generation where I really had my childhood without a phone and my early 20s with a smartphone. Mm-hmm. So I was like 21, I think whenever smartphones came out and I remember a few I was in college and in postdoc like in my doctorate Mm -hmm. in college and um I remember a few guys in my class had it and they're like oh so and so has an iPhone everyone was like huddle around this phone called an iPhone (laughs) and that was the first time I thought oh that's weird like what's I had this like whatever flip phone razor whatever (laughs) And I thought, you know, it didn't even appeal to me. I, I it took years before I even got an iPhone because I had an Android and whatever. It just, anyways, I, I, I'm sort of resistant to, I, I want to beat to my own drum. Yeah. So, um, anyways, an iPhone I, when you I've, won an iPhone. That's right. I'm not going to do it because culture tells me I do it when I want it. And I got a green one. Yeah. And that's when I got it. Keep um, your Samsung. And get an iPhone whenever you feel like it. That's Even though iPhones are superior, I do believe. I, I would no, and I would agree with you. Ever at ever you know, with having one, they are great. I love them. So, um, so I would say that I at least had twenty something years mm-hmm. without that inundation, mm-hmm. and the generations after us really didn't get that chance. I mean, we gave it to you guys because we didn't give you mm-hmm. things until really late. I, I didn't get it until the pandemic. You, yeah, but you didn't have social media until you were 16 years old. Yeah, yeah, and so, even then you slowly, it was like a drip. And I liked yeah. that because it gave me, you gave me like the crappiest social media is like <laughs> Facebook. 
and which I didn't, I still have never used to this day, but you, you gave it to me and, and, and I, I had access to that and I got to use the self-control mm-hmm. of like, no, I'm, I, I've spent too much time on it or I'm mm-hmm. not going to use it at all. Like I don't have TikTok. I, I don't, and I never will. I, you don't have TikTok. You don't have Snapchat. You don't have Snapchat. Oh, like we could get into Snapchat, but uh, TikTok I think is like crack. That's how I view TikTok. Like their algorithm is so good that it's like it's a drug. It, it can become a drug because they literally can read your mind and they know exactly what you want. And if you can get exactly what you want at the click of a button, that's not good. Yeah, it's rewiring the way that our brain works. Mm-hmm. It's an addiction in a way. Yeah, it's a cheap dopamine hit for many people, and it's FOMO-inducing content that's there. But mm-hmm. um, and growing up with that click dopamine hit, it's like it's just like oh button 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 yeah. and then you're you're you feel better the but pixar, you don't the pixar film wally is prophetic and that's all i'll say about that so um the so what what's the difference you know i think that we had a chance for our brains to form the way that humans would ancestrally mm-hmm. would have and in many ways the kids that grew up with just social media from some from birth their brain has been it's a hybrid brain mm-hmm. it's like their human brain plus an algorithm controlling it okay? yeah or an algorithm influencing it at the very least yeah we're getting to see what happens now the ipad kids mm-hmm. have like are growing up and we get to see what they're like and it's, yeah. it's a little little freaky it's it's yeah. not the greatest and i know some ipad kids that are doing okay yeah and it has some benefits right but i think it probably has more drawbacks than benefits mm-hmm. i would assume so and yeah. you know it's like look the u.s surgeon general said in the past year he said a few times but that kids under the age of 14 shouldn't be on social media at all that's what he said mm-hmm. this is the u.s surgeon general which is you know, they have anybody in that position notoriously has to have a well-measured, reserved statement on these sort of things. Especially to something that like makes a ton of money. This is right. like one of the biggest influential yeah. sectors of our society. Absolutely. And if he's like not. Like, so if he's, he's saying 14, my thought is what's the actual age? Yeah, seriously. So. 40. <laughs> yeah, I should just be getting a phone right now. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, well, you're a very successful person. And I want to ask you, what do you think success is? What is success to you? Well, I think there's an outer success and an inner success, right? The outer success lots of people can have that, right? Even though lots of people don't. But in it can look in different ways for different people. But if you're looking at this sort of general outer success, it's going to be look like outer abundance, right? It's going to be having things, having resources, not needing, um, having freedom. I think freedom and the, the sort of currency and energy of abundance in their life. And that looks Yes, financial is a part of it, but ultimately it's so much more than that. I think it's just the freedom because some people don't have a lot of money, but they have a lot of like their their overhead is lower and they're just a free, flexible life. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what success is. It's sort of an energy and a sort of a metaphysical currency that, um, but ultimately I think that the outer success is a trap and a source of misery and disappointment and despair if you don't have inner success. Mm. And I think you can have outer success without inner success. And you can have inner success without outer success. But I think the real secret is to have both. Mm. And almost have outer success as a natural manifestation, a ripple effect of inner success. Mm. So that's what I've always tried to do is like get my real authentic core spiritual stuff metaphysical stuff like things that matter downright and be in my own path and just be a channel for god's light and then if i stay in my lane so to speak what can come out of that what can grow from that Mm -hmm. who knows what it will look like i didn't really even have like you know a lot of people have like their vision boards and what they want to make i had I still like don't think about what I can make or it's I don't even know honestly what I make but it's it it's like to me it's like can I live a life of abundance mm-hmm. can I help people can I live a, a freedom filled life with myself and my family that's what I want um, these are qualities that don't have a price actually they don't have a price they're priceless yeah um, and that's what I'm interested in yeah I mean, Justin Bieber, I heard him talk about on a podcast once. He, he, I mean, he's a dude who literally could have anything he wanted at the snap of a finger. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't care that I live in a big house. I don't care about cars. I don't care about watches. I don't care about clothes. He's like, my favorite thing to do in a day is get out in my backyard and sit on the grass and watch hummingbirds suck nectar out of flowers. He was like, you can't buy that. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't buy that experience of being able to go sit in nature and and look at nature and and Mm -hmm. that's kind of goes back to the forest bathing thing it's like it's the most the most fulfilling things in life and the things that you should be most grateful for are the things that you came into this earth with your health Mm -hmm. your life the ability to love the ability to be loved nature the ability to enjoy nature yeah and yeah i mean i think that that's 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 true success well said i agree with that what are some practices that helped you succeed and that you think could be helpful to listeners? I would say be back to my earlier statement of being a channel. I think instead of comparing yourself to other people, stay in your lane. That can be used as such a derogatory term. Like people, you know, I think of it as like, well, when uh, actors get into music or musicians get into actors, they say, oh, stay in your lane. That's used very derogatorily. Mm-hmm. That's not what I mean. Yeah. I mean, stay in your lane is like, what is your calling? What is your passion? What is your why? And, and what is the vehicle in which that why and passion will come into play? And knowing that and then being relentlessly consistent and loyal to that will, it's, in a way, it's the power of intention. It's the power of intention and the power of focus, the power and the um, sort of the law of attraction in many ways. 
I feel like there's something to all of that. Yeah. And uh, I would say that is it. That is it. That is it. And um, but ultimately, it has to be done in accordance with the laws of the universe, meaning some sort of part of the greater good of the whole, which is what I mean about outer success, because I think people can have outer success, quote unquote, outer success without doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think of a lot of really corrupt, you know, wealthy people. I think of even like someone like Donald Trump, and even though I don't know him, but like Donald Trump and people like that, that from all intents and purposes, if you should know someone by their fruits, I think there's a outer success, but I don't know how much inner success yeah, someone like that has, and I'm I'm not just speaking on him. I'm saying a whole industry of people, whole yeah, culture of people, totally. um, and so to me, it's like I don't want that. I really don't want that. I don't want that at all. Mm-hmm. I would rather live a simple life with joy and my family, have freedom, than have any quote unquote material outer success. Yeah. So I would say just apply the law of attraction in your life. And part of that staying in your lane and being consistent and relentless in that focus. That mm-hmm. there's a word, you know, in Hebrew it's kavanot, kavana, kavanot. It's just basically this like intense intention, um, almost like a meditation and making your life a meditation. Because mm-hmm. I really do, do think it it manifests things in your life. Yeah. What do you attribute? Actually, no, I want to, I want to dive into, you talked about this like relentless pursuit and this consistency. And you said something that my generation struggles with is this kind of lack of motivation and just kind of sitting back on the couch and sitting on our phones because it's easier. We get a, a, we, we want to be successful. We want to have all the nice things because everyone else does. And it's that whole fear of missing out thing but it's also going to be really hard to get there. So we might as well just sit on our phones and look at the people who do have that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, it's scary. And I think it's a huge problem for my generation and even your generation too, is, mm-hmm. is, is it's like, ah, I, I'm scared. I don't want to. So I'm just going to sit on the couch and look at people who do have what I wish I had. And what do you think, are some some tips for people that have a dream they want to do something but they don't really have the motivation to mm-hmm. well i would say do things in your life that limit distraction and we're, distraction is geared like so much part of our culture but like really setting healthy boundaries with your phone mm-hmm. screen time 100%. yeah and also like read be voracious in reading a physical book mm-hmm. like just like reading as many books as you can and read inspirational books read books that are going to be edifying and in alignment with that that a law of attraction that i talked about earlier for you and um there's no replacement and people say well i'm not good at reading books or i'm not a reader that's why you should do it it's because your 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 brain is so distracted that you can't that muscle focus is weak it's like saying i'm the gym isn't for me right well it's not good for anybody until you make it a practice Mm -hmm. and um so i think that's it 
and then bring in things where you can create stillness in your life so you can get divine inspiration and you can be a better version of yourself and regulate your nervous system. So things like meditation, breath work, getting out in nature, forest bathing are very keys to um, get out of your head and into your body. Yeah. um, Also, I would say focus on the foods you're having. Like if you're fatigued and brain fogged or anxious or depressed, look at the foods that are contributing to that mm-hmm. and really look at sugar and refined grains and gluten containing grains and industrial seed oils, mm-hmm. um, too much dairy, conventional dairy, that's going to create any fatigue and lethargy and sort of a lack of zest for life in any human being, no matter what generation they're yeah. in. And I hear a lot of people my age and around my age, they're like, oh, I struggle with sleeping. Like I stayed up till 2 a.m. last night. Well, 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 what did you do? And they're like, well, I was on my phone and then I tried to go to sleep and then uh, I, I couldn't. So I just sat on TikTok for a couple hours thinking that would make me tired. And I was tired and then I tried to fall asleep and then I couldn't. So I played some video games and then I was so exhausted at 2 a.m. that I literally just fell asleep playing video games. And yeah. it's like, I, I, I tell them, I'm like, uh, why don't you like read a book? Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's boring. And I was mm-hmm. like, uh, isn't it true that reading a book boosts melatonin? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and that it that having to look at like focus on these words and look at them, especially if they're not on a screen, like a mm-hmm. physical, tangible book, it, it, it makes you tired. Like I, if I want to go sleep fast, I read a book. Yeah. Yeah. And especially in our culture, I think, because it isn't so dopamine rushing Mm -hmm. and it's not the blue light and it's not sort of that cortisol endorphins all the time. That sympathetic aspect of our nervous systems always go. So, yeah, anything that modulates our nervous system and our endocrine system in a way of like sort of resting, digesting that parasympathetic aspect of our autonomic nervous system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. And um, I would at the very least. For anybody that's listening to this, watching this, to allow about two hours or so after, um, allow two hours of be tech free before bed. Mm. Um, and then if you can't do it some nights, like still no excuses, like do it most nights, at least two hours, it could be more, it should be more, but you can always get blue light blocking glasses and other things that can mitigate the blue light, which will impact your sleep, sleep wake cycle and the your cortisol melatonin cycle. Yeah. You have so much wisdom and you're, I mean, seriously, I, saying that for my dad is kind of weird. Cause like, I disagree with you on some stuff, like on his father, something, but um, in this, it's like, we, you you really i mean even in in my life you've really even though sometimes i haven't wanted to hear it you like mm-hmm. you you push me and you want me to succeed not in like you have to succeed kind of mm-hmm. way but you just have like given me these um i don't know these these habits that i'm like mm-hmm. I, I i take i take advantage of and i'm like mm-hmm. or i like i don't even understand the worth of it but then i see other people and i'm like you don't read before you go to bed. You don't take supplements. You don't eat healthy. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, I think people need to hear this. And I think this is why this episode is so important. And this is yeah. why this episode is the first episode. Wow. Yeah. I, thank you. Well, thank you for that. My sweet yeah. boy. I love um, what do you attribute to your success? I would say God and you guys. Mm. 
Yeah, God and my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think uh, the role religion plays in in happiness, and not even being Christian, but just religion overall? What do you think? What what role do you think it plays in? Well, I don't, you know, you and I have had this conversation. I think that it's not necessarily religion that does it. I think there are spiritual principles that can be within religion that do it. And actually on my podcast, shout out to you, Art of Being Well. You could listen to it. Shameless (laughs) plug. I've had some amazing researchers and academic people from, you know, Columbia and all the different sort of collegiate research institutions actually look at this and what they found is yes there can be people that are religious that have these practices of like cultivating joy and community and something bigger than themselves and um altruism and uh kindness and forgiveness yeah these are things that are shown to that are associated in the research with living a longer healthier more meaningful life Mm -hmm. so there can be people that are atheistic or let's just say agnostic probably that have a lot of those principles Mm -hmm. in their life totally and there are people that are in churches and synagogues and mosques that really don't have any of those qualities yeah so i don't don't think that it's the religion or the orthodoxy that actually cultivates that it's a lot of times the teachings and the philosophy when practiced can cultivate that. yeah it's like the the pursuit of something bigger than yourself because if yeah if you are the thing mm-hmm. then that's a life that's unfulfilling and, and mm-hmm. i think over history everyone has pursued something that's bigger than themselves whether it's the universe or it's love or it's forgiving people or it's it's yeah. love, it's, it's uh, meditating and, and being a, 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 um, as good of a servant to people as you possibly can. Yeah. I think it's I think it's huge and I think that it's mm-hmm. it's it's a really important part of um, enjoying this human experience that we have. Mm-hmm. Great. So to finish off this podcast with one last question, what is your biggest life advice? Hmm. I would say my biggest life advice is life is a beautiful immersive vapor. So breathe it in deeply because I look back in my life and I just think of how quickly time has gone by and just years fold into themselves that that's why even just practicing things like gratitude and present moment awareness and soaking in this moment that we have is so important because I look back at at pictures. There's a picture that grandma showed me of you. We talked about it. She sent it to you too. Of you in a cardboard basket bucket or a cardboard box. We were living here and outside of LA and pushing I was pushing you around in the front yard. I don't even remember that. And it's like, you look back in different seasons of your life and it's like a completely different person lived that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I would say my biggest advice would just be soak it in. Culture is so 
geared towards distracting us and looking to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing that we don't ever just appreciate the here and now. Mm-hmm. So that's that my, that's my advice. Well, thank you so much for for being on the podcast and first guest. I feel honored. First guest maybe the best guess we can't <laughs> say yet but so much to so much to see so much to see i think i set the bar pretty high you did if nothing else yeah we're gonna need some some high quality peeps on the podcast mm-hmm. to beat this um all well thank you so much for listening uh if you enjoyed what you heard subscribe if you hated it subscribe and yeah thank you uh let us know any suggestions that you have And talk to you later. Bye.